This episode is marked for very sensitive content, so please check content warnings that are listed in the episode description before listening. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. But it got really bad that night. I come in and I confront him. I had everything that he'd been sending her, that he'd been sending other women. I had his weird sex things that he was looking at for Craigslist. And he threw me to the floor and he started to choke me. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live like that. And I was just like, okay. Like I just kind of like breathed out and I was just like, okay, this is, this is it. The right person for you would never lay their hands on you. And this week's interviewee had to make that decision after one of the scariest nights of her life. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. If you're new here, this is the podcast that shares some of the most intense breakup stories that you might not have heard of otherwise. Sometimes we get submissions from TikTok, sometimes we get submissions from people who listen to the podcast, and sometimes we even get a little sneaky and message those people that you kind of follow on Instagram who look like they soft launched a relationship and we have some fun with it. But sometimes we get more serious stories like this week. Whatever it is, you know we love hearing the story and also getting some good lessons along the way. If you've got a suggestion for the podcast, head down to the episode description. You'll find a submission form link there. And if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview, as always, timestamps are listed in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in. So this week's submission is a little bit different. I will say I have never gotten a submission like this before. But before we get into that, you know, if you're a committed listener to the podcast, but if you're new here, Every week, we give a shout out to a different domestic violence shelter throughout the country. And this week, we're shouting out Golden House in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Golden House provides help and healing to victims of domestic abuse in the area. They help hundreds of people every year with counseling, advocacy, shelter, and other services. And they also do a lot of outreach programs as well. So if you want to learn more and hey, if you feel called to donate, you can always check out all those details in the episode description. So this week's submission actually came to me from a self-submission. Somebody had submitted their breakup story and they were interested in talking about an engagement that had ended within like the course of a day. And that story sounded interesting in itself. But as we were talking, she had brought up her relationship history. All she had said was something about how like she had dated a guy who had gotten stopped by border patrol during a trip to Egypt. And I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Not that the story you're telling me wasn't interesting, but now I'm also curious in that one. And then we started getting into a conversation about some of the things that went down in this relationship and it covers all the bases from the classic infidelity trope that we hear, you know, catching suspicious things on the phone to some interesting Google searches regarding sexual preferences that she definitely couldn't provide, why he got stopped by Border Patrol during that trip to Egypt. And then it all led into an absolutely heartbreaking moment where she had to make the decision to leave this guy after he laid his hands on her. And while I was like, girl, we can talk about this engagement another day, this is a story that's got to be told. And she was kind 
kind enough to give me an interview for that story. So we're going to hear from her. When we break. It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, a refrigerated meal. That must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious. And they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factor's ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything. And then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50 off. Break down this week's breakup. I met him through Tinder. And ironically enough, um, I was hanging out with my best friend the day that I was supposed to go on my first date with him and she knew him. And so I was like, oh, this is great. You can kind of vet him because you don't usually get that. And um, she was like, yeah, he, I mean, I know him from parties and stuff. And he's always seemed like a nice guy. And so then I went out with him. Um, we went to go to ice cream. We went to movie. Everything seemed super normal with him. And we just had a great time. And I didn't realize how weird it was then. But we really saw each other pretty much like every single day after that, because I had gotten hurt at work. So I was off. And I just saw him all the time. So I really thought nothing of it. We had a great time with each other. And I guess about like two weeks into dating, we made it like official. And he seemed really, really like in love with me. And he said as much within the first month, which I had never said that to anyone before. So it was kind of this timeline off. But yeah, that's essentially how it all kind of started with him. So he said, I love you within the first two weeks. Yeah. And I actually specifically was like, I don't, I'm not ready to say that. Like, don't make me, but he kept saying it <laughs> and then would kind of just like stare at me and I'm like, I don't want to say it back because I don't even know if that's how I feel right now, which should have honestly been the first red flag. So that that, di- that didn't turn you off where you're like, okay, why don't we take a step down from I love you and become exclusive? I had not been in you know any relationships in high school or college. When I met him, I was 25, I think. So all the weird mistakes that you make when you're you know a teenager, that you don't realize I was making as like a grown adult, basically. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. 
So how long do you date total? And at what point in the relationship do things start to fall apart? So we were together for two and a half years total. I would say things started to get kind of bad within the first three or four months. There was an incident with one of his friends. My boyfriend had like grabbed me and his friend saw and we were at my apartment and his friend kind of like shoved my boyfriend off of me. And then they got in like this tussle. And I remember thinking that was weird because like I grew up with an older brother and I never saw my brother doing anything like that with his friends, but they, you know, made up and became friends again. And then... Shortly after that, he and I got in an argument. And this is the first time that he was physical with me because he kind of like shoved me to the ground and then started to choke me. Oh, God. And it only, yeah, it only lasted a couple seconds. But I had always kind of told myself, like, I'm never going to be the person that accepts that kind of behavior. When it happened to me, I was like, this is the first person who's ever said they loved me in 25, 26 of your years of my life. I had no other real frame of reference. So you just think, okay, no one else has loved me. And then there's this person that does love me, but he did that. And, you know, I made him leave. And then I went to go see my brother. I'm super close to my brother and his wife. And I told my brother what happened because I didn't really know. what was normal and what's not normal. I just remember seeing my brother's face and he cried and I was like, oh God, this is, this is horrible. And you know, my bit, my sister-in-law is like a big sister to me. And I still think they're just the most fabulous people in the world because they heard that and they're like, we're going to support whatever you do, but like, we're concerned at this point because yeah, like you can tell with the timeline, we did end up getting back together. I have my own opinions about how I handled that which is mostly that I handled it poorly. But I also felt like I really believe that people shouldn't be defined by the mistakes they make in life. And if someone shows remorse and wants to change, I want to give them that benefit. Unfortunately, he just was not someone who is capable of that. But I didn't discover that really until it was too late, I think. So when is too late for you? How much longer after that? We're, I mean, we're only like three months into the relationship. I was about to say, I'm like, you just got past the 90-day free trial period and we've already got some issues. I know. Okay. Well, I have my notes. <laughs> wow. I, I, the last person I just interviewed had notes too. And I was like, this is amazing. So I really, you know, once someone was like, I like you, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold on to this because this isn't going to happen again. I would say about eight months into our relationship, I was on a layover in Portland, which the time zone for Atlanta is like three or four hours off of it. So it was midnight where I was, and then we're on the East Coast, and he called me at midnight. I was like, this is like 3 a.m. back home, so I answer, and he's like, I fucked up, I fucked up. And I was like, what did you do? It's 3 in the morning there. And he's like, he's just like, I fucked up, I fucked up. So he had borrowed his friend's car and got super wasted and then drove on like the major interstate, ran into someone and then like ran on foot. So wait, hit somebody or hit somebody's car? Hit somebody's car with his friend's car and then ran like on foot. (laughs) Like abandoned the car and got out. He just sprinted away from the, and you know, like this interstate in particular has like five or six lanes. Like it's gigantic. (laughs) And he just ran. And I was like, you ran. And he said, yeah, I ran. And I'm like, where are you? And he's like, 
I don't know. I'm next to this church. There's a bush. I was like, you're in a bush at a church. And he's like, yeah, I just fucked up. I fucked up. And I said, well, go back because someone could have gotten hurt. What are you thinking? Are you, I'm sitting there yelling at him, but I'm also, I know I'm like a five hour flight away and I also have to work in the morning. I'm like, what is this man doing? That whole night he had me on the phone and his mom, he lived with his mom. And so his mom was there. She's yelling at him. His sister was super pregnant and living there and she's yelling at him and basically his mom like let him sober up a little bit and then they told this story to the friend that the car was stolen I don't know they went to the police station at some point maybe like four or five hours later when he had sobered up a little bit now he was really really drunk so they could still tell but they were like oh yeah the car got stolen and they never took a breathalyzer or anything I think they could see through that he was lying I don't know too much about police stations or anything like that. I know when I talked to him, he sounded super drunk. So I was like, okay, whatever. You should be doing the right thing. You should tell your friend the truth. Um, So he did tell his friend the truth maybe 10 or 11 in the morning the next day. His friend worked with him. And so they also were friends with their boss. So the boss was like, okay, well, you're fired. I get home and I'm basically like, I don't want to be with you unless you can manage this alcoholism because you clearly are an alcoholic. I have no tolerance for driving drunk. You are really lucky that you killed yourself. Like, or not killed yourself, but like you didn't kill yourself. <laughs> Sorry. No. You're lucky. <laughs> I was like, you didn't kill yourself or kill someone else. You have a talking to him about his alcoholism and he's like, yes, I'm going to fix it. Or yes, I'm going to get help. So he says, yes, he's going to go to AA and I go to AA meetings with him. And when I was there, they were like, it's really weird that someone's here with support. And I didn't realize how weird that was until later because most people don't reach out to AA until like they have zero people left in their lives. Right. So I really was trying to like keep support with him because I felt like he's going through something. If he really wants to fix it, you know, who am I to judge? And (laughs) this is more like the superficial dumb side of me, but we had also been planning this vacation together. And I was like, well, I want someone to still go on the vacation with me. Like, let's work this out because the vacation sounds really cool. Unfortunately, he stayed in AA for a month. He got his chip and then maybe like a day or two later called me and he was like, yeah, I'm going to have some beers at the soccer game. And I was like, oh, okay. So we got in a huge fight. We broke up for maybe like a week or two. Again, he crawled back into my life somehow. And I was also, again, motivated by like having someone for this vacation, which is so dumb because I could have just gone by myself. (laughs) That vacation came six months later. It was in August around my birthday. We were going to Egypt. When we were in Egypt, he kind of did the same things that he always did. He would just get really, really drunk and then leave me places, which normally when we're home, that's fine. But when we're in Egypt, that's not as fine. <laughs> like he just, what, what do you mean he leaves you places? Like, like for example, when you're in your, your home city, you'll be at a bar by yourselves and he'll just bounce or like, are you with groups of people? He would just drop me off back at home and then drive somewhere else to get drunk. Yeah. Um, there were also times that we were at like a soccer game or something and I would be at my seat and he would go and get drinks. And then you just leave me. (laughs) I never come back. Okay, that's one hell of an Irish goodbye. Okay, (laughs) just just leave your girlfriend. Why not? And, you know, like, I think in my head, I started thinking, like, 
this isn't right. But anyways, we take our trip to Egypt. It's mostly okay. And then we come back. So we flew into an airport that's like not our home state. So we had to do one more flight after that. But when we get to that first airport, uh, I don't know if I can say it, it's Raleigh. And they let me go through and they stop him. And they're like, you know, you have a warrant out for your arrest. and he said uh no I didn't know that I've been in Egypt for the last week or two the cop is like or the customs agent is like yeah there's a warrant out here you need to get a lawyer ASAP and basically he said like we're going to let you travel on to like get home because that's going to be even more of a mess for you. I don't even know if they were allowed to do that or if that was I don't know and so (laughs) Is there, is there, not that I'm a, an expert on the legal system, but from what I understand about arrest, if there's a warrant, they arrest you. And I'm at an airport of all places, you would think there would be a spare cop to arrest said person. Yeah, there's usually a cop or two at the airport. <laughs> Please put them in handcuffs and then get them on the flight. You know what I mean? Like that's so, that makes me so concerned. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about this either. I've never been arrested. So I didn't know, like, I hope I go, don't get the customs agent in trouble. <laughs> I think he was because he saw him with me and it was like a genuine surprise, but I don't know. So we get back home and, you know, the lawyer's like, you have to turn yourself in. And this dummy was like, yeah, I'll be out later today. I'm going to go play softball afterwards. <laughs> and, and I kept telling him, I was like, this seems more serious. Like the girl went to jail. You have to get arrested. I mean, you know what you did. So finally he turned himself in and he did spend three or four nights in jail. And it was like the scariest jail that has always been on like the jail shows. <laughs> I swear every time you drive past it, it has like lightning and it's really dark there. I mean, it looks terrifying. And while he was in there, I realized that that friend that his car got totaled basically saw us in Egypt, kind of living it up and was upset because my boyfriend had been like, oh, I can't afford to give you a car. I can give you like $100 a month or something like that. And so the friend is like, okay, so you can go to Egypt, but you can't give me money for my car. Never mind the fact that I paid for the whole trip. But it makes sense. So he ends up put filing a police report or something, I'm assuming. And yeah. Unfortunately, this all kind of coincided with COVID. There were supposed to be a lot of court cases and it kept getting extended. And so COVID kind of messed it up. And honestly, unfortunately, I still don't know whatever came of that. I know he had to pay like $5,000 to just get a bond or whatever it is. I did not stick around for the of that but there is still as you can see we're only halfway there but that's a whole separate thing his legal battle which is shocking to me that he only had to pay five thousand dollars in jail like what a bargain honestly okay so you you said you're not sticking around for it but i'm looking at your notes there's a lot of (laughs) stuff that happened so what what happened i think part like i don't want to blame covid on everything but there was like a comfort in having someone when they're the whole world is like shutting down right before covid though was like the first incident of cheating in the relationship (laughs) because of course he would cheat on someone who had like been through everything with him and that one was rough because it was like the day before valentine's day and his best friend's little sister basically messaged me while I was boarding a flight or right before I was boarding a flight to just say, he's cheating on you. This is what happened. And as a side note, I had to board the flight after that. And I'm just like straight faced as possible because I don't want to cry. And this lady told me to smile and I burst into tears. (laughs) 
Like, lady, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what I found out five minutes ago. Also, what an <laughs> asshole for being like, smile for me. What, like, the hell? I know. And this, I mean, I will say, I told, like, I showed my crew member the text messages that I got. And my crew member was wonderful. And she was just like, I got you. I'll take care of it. Like, flight attendants are the greatest. I love flight attendants. She really defended me against that lady, too, being like, um, I don't think she wants to smile today. But basically the rumor about cheating was that he had been in a threesome with my best friend's ex-boyfriend and his wife. This all got back to you because of a rumor that was going around. It's like, hey, I heard so-and-so was fucking with, you know. <sighs> yeah, it was basically like, it was some kind of party that they had had. And the, the little sister was like, yeah, they were upstairs in your boyfriend's room. We all knew what was happening. And she, uh, the reason I had a hard time believing her was because she kept like calling me um, like a pathetic person. So I was like, okay, well, I just want answers. You don't have to call me names. So she's calling you up and saying that you're pathetic for being with him because he's doing so. For staying with him. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was really hard. And I mean, I think that was why I had like this resistance to believe it because it was it felt like so harsh and the only person that I had to like fall back on was my boyfriend because I wasn't going to tell my family I wasn't going to tell my friends I certainly wasn't going to tell my best friend (laughs) what her ex-boyfriend had done I kind of like leaned on him and you know I believed that it was just a rumor because there was no proof because I also had talked to other friends about it later and they were like, if that were me, the first thing I would do if I saw my friend's boyfriend go into a room with two people and thinking that they were doing something, I would kick the door down and walk in, <laughs> you know? Yeah, try and stop uh, it. So you're on this flight, you find out this devastating news. It's obviously crushing. And I'm sure you could never get the image of him boning to other people out of your mind. Do you get off that plane and you're like, I, I'm done. I'm calling him up. I'm over this. Or what happens? That would have been a great. <laughs> Are you okay? Not me about to call you pathetic for staying for this man. So you stay with him longer after this? Did you confront him? Listen, we are we we have one one year left in the timeline. Okay, continue. Um, <laughs> I think I mean it's hard to go back to that time and like realize or like think about what was happening. But again, he was the only person that. I had to talk to about it because I was so ashamed about what had been happening that I felt like it's, it's too late at this point. Like I'm too far gone. I felt like, you know, no one's going to respect me because I put up with this stuff for so long and they're just going to tell me, you know, I made my bed. I lie. you need to lie in it. So that was a kind of lie that I told myself. And, you know, then I had him in my ear telling me that it wasn't even true. And it caused a big rift in his friend group because that was his best friend's little sister. And they didn't talk to him for a while either. And so it was kind of weird. We were on this little island and then that was February of 2020. So, you know, a few weeks later, the world shuts down. And again, we're just kind of like, we have each other and we have this little like island that we built. We stayed together and actually we ended up moving in together a few months after that. But God willing, you're going to try and make it work, which you know what? I respect you a lot for it. You are going to beat this horse into the ground. You are not going down without a fight. I am nothing if not stubborn. I mean, it was the same mindset I'd had before where I was like, I'm not going to let someone be defined by their mistakes. I didn't realize when you make a mistake over and over and over again, it's just a choice. And you also don't like mistakenly have a threesome. Yeah, you don't just like trip and fall into somebody's marriage. Floor was slippery. (laughs) 
<laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I'm getting on to the realization part. So we're getting there. So he traveled a lot for work, even during COVID. And he was gone for a good bit. And he was gone over my birthday. And on my birthday, I got a message on Instagram from this girl. Well, because I was like looking at my message request. And I had a message from this girl that said, your boyfriend's been calling me, leaving me voicemails sending me dick pics and I, I just sent her back today is literally my birthday <laughs> like literally today of all days really I so clearly remember it because I was staying at my brother's house and I had just had a really good birthday and then I just see this message and he denies it of course but I think from then on our arguments got really intense they got really physical the choking that had happened you know at this point like a year and a half prior it continued. I had in my mind, because he would tell me like, I'm not hitting you. And I was like, you're right. You're not hitting me. I'm not being abused. And it took me like after to be like, no, ch choking's worse. Choking, choking is worse. I, I mean, it sounds... It, it sounds delusional, but I just had no frame of reference for that, which I didn't realize abuse comes from like, you don't have to just get punched. You can, it can be with words. It can be with money. It can be with how someone makes you feel emotionally. Like it's, it, there's so many different layers to it. Our fights got really, really intense and it got to just before Christmas. We got in a really, really bad argument. I couldn't understand why, because it felt like it came out of nowhere and we ended up just like separating and he was in the living room and I was in the bedroom. He went to sleep and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm going to look and find what is happening with this man because I just felt like something was weird. And I'm so not a snoopy person, but I felt like I'm going to find something and that's why it's okay. <laughs> it's the unofficial warrant. I totally think if you have that gut feeling, that's your permission to check it out because if something wasn't up, you wouldn't feel that way. Right. And if I found nothing, then I'm wrong. <laughs> and then you can apologize for it and never do it again. And hopefully he, you ride off into the sunset with him being a better boyfriend. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I found text messages with multiple girls. I found messages with his ex-girlfriend all over. And I was like, I thought he hated her. I also found a burner email account where he had been on Craigslist looking for male for male glory holes. <laughs> Wait, male for male glory hole? Can you define what that is? I'm you Googling so that. I'm terrified at the photos that are about to pop up. <laughs> Girl, do you want to know what the first thing that popped up was? It's yes. Pornhole, Pornhole, Pornhub, Pornhub, RedTube, and then Cora. Um, oh. I'm scared to look at images. What, how about what, what is it? <laughs> Someone's going to have to define this for me. Okay. Glory holes are as associated with gay male culture. Oh, BuzzFeed News. Why people <laughs> use glory holes? I know that we're in the middle of your breakup story, but this question needs to be answered. No, uh, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> well, this is great because um, I'm literally reading this BuzzFeed article and it's literally talking about how the pandemic... <laughs> fight these because you wouldn't necessarily have to swap saliva. I don't know. Anyway, I'll read this later, but I'm fascinated. Link so, in bio about glory holes. Yeah, check <laughs> check out check out the episode description for our check out Thursday's episode for a breakdown on glory holes. Side note, he was super duper homophobic, which I think there is a little bit of a correlation there. For whatever reason, that wasn't even the biggest thing I ignored about him. That was a problem. So I see all these text messages. I see FaceTime calls and I was like, what are you doing? And I, again, we got in a fight. He left. 
but he came back eventually and we kind of just were like, let's just get through Christmas. Like, I think we had just decided like, yeah, like probably should break up. And then at some point we're like, no, let's stay together. Just literally (laughs) kicking this thing down the road. Kick this can down the road. I mean, we had a lease for like six more months. I was like, this is going to be a pain. This is a small apartment. We can't both live here if we hate each other. So at some point in this, when he had been gone, I had my friend come stay with me because she was going through a breakup of her own in her relationship. I don't want to put her all in blast. She was going through a lot of different abusive things too. We would talk and I was kind of like, huh, that's happening with me too. And it kind of like made me realize what I was telling her. I needed to tell myself Mm. because I was like, no, you don't deserve this. Like he shouldn't be talking to you like this. And like, I still talk to her like every single day. I love her. She helped me realize that what was happening in my relationship was really, really (laughs) weird and bad. (laughs) We got in another fight and the same thing. He was in the living room sleeping. I was in the bedroom and I looked at his laptop and he has all these messages. Now he promised that he was going to stop talking to her. He was going to delete her number and everything. I think at this point, like I was ready to just end it completely, no matter what it took, but it got really bad that night. So I, I come in and I confront him and I was, I had all the screenshots. I had everything that he'd been sending her, that he'd been sending other women. I had his weird sex things that he was looking at for, um, Craigslist, all of the things. And it just escalated really badly. And he threw me to the floor and he started to choke me. Like he had his knees on my shoulders, hands on my neck and sorry, it's like hard to think about it, but I think I was so tired of fighting that I was just like ready to give up because I don't want to live like that anymore. It got so ugly and I didn't want to, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live like that. And I was just like, okay, like I just kind of like breathed out and I was just like, okay, this is, this is it. I <laughs> Sorry. I had um had a picture of me and my niece up kind of like in my line of vision. And I had been her nanny all throughout COVID. So I was so close with her. Um she's she's four now and she's the most amazing little girl in the whole world. But I saw that picture of us and I was like, she's not gonna know who I who I am. Something about seeing her picture like really lit a fire in me. And I was like, no, she doesn't deserve to like know me through pictures. Of course, like my parents can't replace me. My brother can't replace me, but she wouldn't even know me because at that time she's like two. And I was like, I'm not, (laughs) this is not my story. This is not how, I'm not letting my family find me like this. And so I see her picture and I just like throw them off of me. And the fight continues, but I was like, we're not, I'm not, this is not how the fight is ending. (laughs) He goes to pack his bag. He like (sighs) is kind of crouched down and like, obviously super heated. And my cat comes to like, see what he's doing. And he like shoves her into the door. And I was like, okay, you can do whatever you want with me, but you're not touching my cat. (laughs) And this is the only time I was ever physical back with him, but I hit him in his back and then he stood up, he swung and punched like right behind me and like shattered the mirror that was right behind me. So it was a really 
really ugly night. It was one of the darkest nights of my life, but he did leave. And that was the end of the relationship. Unfortunately, like we still had contact because we had a lease. And at that point there was like three months left in the lease, but he would come to the apartment to see if I was there. So he knew when I was gone. So I could come home sometimes and realize that he had been in there. And then there was one time where he was super drunk and he was like, I just need someone to stay. And I was like, I don't want you here but I didn't want him to hurt someone else. So I let him stay on the couch and he he waited until I went to the shower. And then when I came out of the shower, he was in my bed and I was like, get out. Like, I don't want you in my bed. Unfortunately, he ended up forcing himself on me and that was awful. And it was kind of like the same thing where like, I was like, no, I'm not letting this happen. And I look over and I noticed that his phone is like propped up and recording him. He is recording himself raping me again. Like I'm pretty sure I turned into the Incredible Hulk. I pushed him off and I was like, get the fuck out. Don't ever want to see you again. Get out. And he got all the stuff. He's left. I didn't really care at that point. If he drove off a cliff, I don't care what happened. I just wanted him out of my sight. But that was the last time that I saw him ever in person. By that point, like he still kept trying to come into the apartment and would like wiggle the door and I would like make noises and stuff to like let him know I was there. But he never came in. But I was also like, I need to get out of this apartment, but I also need to get protection because he knew where my family lived. He knew where I took my niece to the park. So I had to get a restraining order. And unfortunately with the, like the way that the legal system was like, I got contacted by um, a victim's advocate type thing. And I told them my story and then they had to tell like, I guess the court. So there was like a sexual assault accusation in there but because of how his lawyer was I guess like I basically had to drop that he sexually assaulted me I had to just like pretend like that didn't happen to guarantee that I was granted my protective order at that time it was more important for me to be protected than to like make a point and you know I'm confused how how you I'm, that doesn't make sense to me why you had to deny that that happened in order for you to get I didn't have to deny that it happened I just had to stop pursuing it as like a legal thing gotcha. because my lawyer basically told me like there's a chance that his lawyer will be able to like overturn all of us and you won't get a protective order and that scared the shit out of me so I was like I would rather be protected than have him charged with anything it sucks that he could get away with it and just do it again to someone else but I had to protect myself first and protect my family at the end of the day you got what you intended you got the protective order but I can imagine there was still an emotional aspect to having to say oh well you can drop those charges because it probably felt like you were betraying yourself in some way I did because I mean wouldn't it be great if we always had like a like a book on someone so we could see like what they've done and I wish I had had known that because knowing what he did to me, it was not the first time and it won't be the last. And I wish that I had been warned, but like, I also wanted to warn someone else, but I was so tired of fighting. And I also felt like I was so alone. Like I never had met anyone that had gone through any kind of domestic violence. And I just felt like, you know, who's, who's going to be on my side basically. So, and it was hard because even at some points, like my family were like, are you sure you want to pursue all this? And I was like, oh, I haven't even told them everything. (laughs) Wait, so they weren't for you taking legal action? They weren't when they just knew like, 
he had cheated. Like they, I think they just thought like the surface level, like he cheated. That's why they broke up. And once they learned the truth of everything, everyone was on board, but it's so hard. Like you don't want to like look your dad in the eye and be like, someone sexually assaulted me because my dad is going to react the way probably most dads would and want to protect his daughter. And I mean, slowly but surely I told people like what happened and the details of it, because it was just kind of like therapy for me. And I had never been to actual therapy before I am now. (laughs) Just hearing your story. I mean, it, it breaks my heart that while you were telling your story, I was like, man, she really is taking so much responsibility for this dude who has just treated her like shit. And I have to know where that, where that comes from. Like, it feels like you felt responsible for him, like letting him stay in the apartment and, you know, letting him treat you like shit for for years and just kind of kicking the can down the road I think my nature is a nature or like a nurturing person I think I'm super empathetic kind of at maybe my detriment I believe that people are good and I wanted to believe that he was good because when he wasn't drinking when he was with his friends he was you know super jovial. He was fun. Like people liked him. It wasn't like he, it wasn't like I just started dating Mr. Hyde. It was a slow burn with that. So I kept thinking like, I know there's a good person in there. I don't want him to feel abandoned. And his dad was an alcoholic. And I was like, you know, this is all about like breaking cycles and stuff. Like I really, really wanted to help him with that. And I mean, even thinking about it now though, like I talked with my sister-in-law and again, she's one of my favorite people on the planet, but she had dealt with an alcoholic in her life. And she's like, it's really hard, but this is a person that's like always going to be in my life. And, you know, I can't change that, but you can change your partner. And that really stuck with me because I, I wasn't just choosing a partner. I'm choosing the uncle to my nieces. I'm choosing the father to my future children. I'm choosing, you know, a son-in-law for my parents. So I was like, okay, like, I know he can be this good person, but like, do I need to stick around and wait for that to see if it happens? And again, it was like my first real relationship. I had no idea that, you know, there are just genuinely nicer people out there that you can date. How did this experience affect how you dated in the future? Like, did it make it not easier, but did you feel like, man, I really just put up with that for a long time. I need to run in the opposite direction. Or did you find yourself falling into similar patterns? I think the first time I met someone really nice, I was like, oh, finally. And I just clung to him. And, and that was not a good relationship either because he gave in like zero effort. It was hard. Cause I realized as much as I love someone's family, as much as I like love the people that are around, I'm dating just that person. And I need to look at them rather than like the whole picture because someone can have a really great family and be a shitty person. You know, like I felt bad for taking my ex to court because his family was so great, but he needed to go to court. I mean, it definitely gave me like a weird skewed perception. I think, I think for a while I like accepted crumbs because for so long I had just been through hell. Like I, I felt like my life was a lifetime movie. So when I was finally in something that was more relaxed, I was like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be like. Like it's supposed to not be fighting, even though it wasn't romantic, there was no care. There was no love. There was no empathy ever. So it really, it it messed me up. 
for sure. You mentioned you did go to therapy to handle some of this. Yeah. What would you say is the most surprising thing you learned about yourself through the experience of handling it? I think I was surprised by how much I can heal because when you're at rock bottom like that, it's hard to see that there's like a light. And my grandma had this really great quote that she kept in her I think it was in her kitchen or something, but it was, it was in German, but it was like, you know, as soon as you think you can't go on, there's a light coming from somewhere. And I just, I had to learn that there is a light somewhere. Like if you can get through this, you're good. Like if you can get through him choking you, you can get to the next point. Like, I think also something was looking at it more like step-by-step, like you don't have to get from A to Z, you just have to get from A to B. Like just take the next right move. Take it one step at a time and just trust that there's something better out there. Yeah. That took a long time to learn. (laughs) I bet it did. I mean, there was so much to unpack in. You really went through a lot with this guy and it seems like you've become, I don't want to say better for it, but I can tell just by the way you tell this story that you know that you deserve so much better than that. And I can see that your sense of self-worth has multiplied tremendously. So you should be really proud of yourself. Well, thank you. I really feel like you can go either way with it. Like you can either become like a better person or you can become like a Batman villain. <laughs> I didn't want to lose like my sense of empathy. I still am enormously empathetic person. I just, I just don't put up with shit anymore. I just see something and I'm like, no, I'm out because I don't, I don't need crumbs. I don't need attention. I don't need any of that. Like if you are not giving me what I need, I can go and it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt you. Like, isn't that amazing? A romantic relationship that enriches your life? Why? I mean, that still eludes me. I'm not going (laughs) to, but like, I have more faith in myself that I have a good judge of that character because there are a lot of things that I think if I had been more in the dating scene younger that I would have learned. Not that I regret all my time being single because I think that gave me a good sense of independence. But I think, you know, when you learn like the immature relationships, you know what you want in a mature one. Yeah. So what are you looking for now? What are you looking for? It's so weird because I get asked my type and I truly have no like physical type. What I desire in a relationship is someone who will be empathetic. I think someone without empathy is probably a psychopath. I think by definition, it's actually a narcissist. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I don't want that anymore. Um, Just someone who's caring. I know like the big joke is like girls go for like their dads, but, and I'm not looking for someone that's like my dad. I love my dad, but I don't want my dad. But I think someone who is caring and gentle and loving like a father is to a daughter because you, I guess if you are dating to date someone and have kids with them, like you are dating someone else's dad. And I think that's been a big thing for me because I think, how would I want my nieces to react to him? Like, do I want to be with someone who hates kids? Do I want to be with someone who talks down to women? Like, No, even if you talk down to me, I don't want you to talk down to someone else, but I don't want you to talk down to me either. So yeah, it's just been, it's been weird. And I think also just having my niece and now there's another niece and just seeing them, I am so like fierce about protecting them that I would never, ever expose them to anyone who was not worthy. I think, (laughs) I think that happens a lot with like single parents when they're dating. They're like, I'm not going to introduce my child to someone who I don't feel like they're safe with. You know, I've just kind of borrowed my brother's kids (laughs) 
and make them like my poster children for treating me right. Final question for anybody who feels like they've really related to your story. And I don't know if if there's somebody that sees themselves in you and you could give them some advice, what would you tell them about your experience? Listen to your gut the first time. The universe has a way of teaching you lessons. And if you don't learn the lesson the first time, the universe will be like, here's the lesson again, dummy. And you're not dumb for not learning immediately. But it's kind of just like, if something's feels off, it it is. If something feels wrong, it is. And if you have a problem seeing yourself in the situation, put literally anyone else that you love in that story and think, okay, do I want this treatment for my niece, my daughter, my cousin, whoever? And if that is unacceptable for you, you need to get out because you need to love yourself the way that you love those people. I'll be back on Thursday for another breakdown bonus episode where we're going to tackle some of the really difficult topics that came up in this episode from alcoholism to domestic violence. We're going to cover it all. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.